Hey everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of Timeless. I'm super excited that the first episode is about one of my favorite entrepreneurs of all time. I was gifted a book, an autobiography about 5 years ago by a business leader I deeply admired and I was a part of his program and uh he he swore by this book. He he said that it's a must read for anyone interested in business. and i've never been much of a reader especially as a young person i've always been outdoors and uh i eventually got into reading at 19 and at some point i was gifted this book and needless to say i was hooked i fell in love with reading about the process of building a multinational empire and not just that it's a multinational empire but all that it took the journey the the challenges the thought process just absolutely incredible this person shaped not only the business that he built but also many other big businesses that came after his values his learnings very well put together in a book called made in america and if you're someone like me who enjoys reading about businesses i highly recommend this book it is raw honest and so so insightful so some of you may have already guessed it as is in the title of this podcast episode i'm talking about the founder of walmart sam walton welcome to timeless a podcast about business and entrepreneurship by shradha shinoy that's me i firmly believe that entrepreneurship is one of the most incredible things about us humans which improves lives in unimaginable ways and i strive to celebrate that spirit by recounting stories of successful businesses entrepreneurs and humans of the last century so join me in this episode titled sam walton walmart bias for action and the value of frugality My ten rules for building a business are: commit to your business, share your profits, motivate your people, communicate everything you possibly can, appreciate everything your associates do, celebrate your successes, listen to everyone in your company, exceed your customers' expectations, control your expenses, and swim upstream. I want to set the stage for Sam's life, early life. He was born to uh, Thomas Gibson Walton and Nancy Lee, farmers in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. He lived on the farm with his parents until 1923, after which his father Thomas went into farm mortgaging because farming wasn't enough to provide for his family. Sam also had a younger brother James, who was born in 1921. so just about 3 years younger than him he grew up during the great depression as it was right after world war 1 and uh and the country was trying to get back on its feet so after school walton decided to attend college he was known to be very versatile interested in many different activities he also waited somehow found ways to contribute financially at a very young age 
And from his book, it also sounds like it was fairly common at the time for people to start contributing at a very young age. And so it sort of builds this personality of 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 being a doer and a provider. And laziness is not an option. Something that you can constantly feel from his uh, biography or accounts of his travels and how he went about building the first store and the second store and so on. So fun fact... Uh, Jeff Bezos coined several Amazon principles, one of them being bias for action. And he has claimed that a lot of these were actually inspired by Walmart and Sam Walton. And the more you look into it, the more you realize how deeply inspired Jeff Bezos was from Sam Walton and his work principles. Anyway, so Walton joined JCPenney as a management trainee right after graduating. But he only stayed there for about 18 months because he was expecting to be inducted into the military. Um, In the meantime, he worked at a DuPont munitions plant near Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then soon after that, he joined the military, supervising security at aircraft plants. So fast forward two years, it's 1945. He left the military, uh, came back home and took over the management of his first variety store at the age of 26. It's pretty young, but Walton's always sort of known that he wanted to go into retailing and definitely go into business for himself. And so that's what he did. He got a $20,000 loan from his father-in-law and another $5,000 that he had saved up during his time in the military. I can definitely say that he married well. But jokes aside, uh, you can see that throughout his life, his family is a very important part of his his success. His father-in-law, his wife, his brother, everyone sort of tag teams and works with him as he pursues his dream of building a retail empire. A very notable thing about Sam Walton was that he was constantly in an experimentation mode. He was always looking at competitors, finding out what worked, what did not. Of course, he was also creative, so he came up with his own ideas. But he wasn't shy of getting inspired from looking at others. Actually, at one point later in his life, he ended up in jail. Uh, they just locked him up because they found this old man crawling around the floors of a retail store with a measuring tape in Brazil and so naturally they thought it was fishy and locked him up. Sam had been measuring the width of the aisles to determine whether Brazilian retailers knew something that he did not and this was of course much later in his life but it goes on to show how obsessed he was with understanding whatever's happening in the landscape and how he could be better even if that meant he would end up in a lockup. Now going back to his stores so there's this first store, Ben Franklin, and he's putting his sweat and tears into it, uh, making sure he does everything he can to make it successful. He's extremely cost competitive and frugality is sort of a virtue and a value that he carries throughout his life. He makes it a point that his shelves are consistently stocked with a wide range of goods, tries to talk to customers, try to understand what they're looking for. And now he feels he's ready for a second store. So he buys this tiny Eagle department store down the street from the first Ben Franklin store and right next to its main competitor in Newport. 
so things seem to be moving in the right direction and he's expecting things to work out uh, the sales volume had grown from 80,000 to a quarter of a million dollars in three years which I think is pretty good and so did his landlord so admiring Walton's success he's like oh looks like my land has value and I could make the same money for myself just kick this guy out and he decided that he wanted to reclaim his store and the franchise rights for his son and he refused to renew the lease now Walton's in a fix and with the lack of a renewal option and a rent which was 5% of sales this was an unforgettable life lesson for Sam Walton but luckily he also found a way out of it Walton found a new location on the downtown square of Bentonville, Arkansas. He tried to negotiate the purchase of a small discount store and the title to the building only on the condition that he get a 99-year lease and expand into the shop next door. Naturally, he was more aggressive than ever given what he'd just been through. The owner of the shop next door refused six times and Walton gave up on Bentonville, but his father-in-law, without his knowledge, paid the shop owner a final visit and $20,000 to secure the lease. I mean, with no other option, he just had enough left from the sale of the first store to close the deal and reimburse his father-in-law, and that's what he did. They opened for business with a one-day remodeling sale in 1950. So now there are these two stores, one in Bentonville and one in Newport. And I'm just checking and Google Maps says it takes 4 hours 14 minutes to be exact one way. So clearly it's not possible for one man to manage two stores simultaneously. Walton was pumped but he also had to first figure out how to delegate to manage the two businesses so far away from each other. And so he made his first hire of a manager, the classic poaching technique. He went to competitors and tried to talk up their managers to start working with him. And that's how he got his first manager, Willard Walker. He was responsible for the store in Bentonville, which was called Walton's Five and Dime. Walton was an incredibly frugal guy. He ran his organizations, be it Ben Franklin, be it Walton's Five and Dime, or what we know today as Walmart, with as tight a budget as you can possibly imagine. For example, in 1955, the minimum wage was 75 cents an hour. That's about $5 in today's dollars. But Walton still held on to 50 cents an hour for a long time afterwards. Even though the store managers tried to raise employees' wages against his will. And this has been a controversial aspect of the company. Underpaid employees lashing out publicly has been an ongoing issue for as long as Walmart has existed. I mean, to this day, there's an odd news article here and there that pops up about Walmart employees protesting for fair wages. It's definitely a cutthroat business, and uh, it seems that Walmart does what it thinks it needs to do to survive. While I personally don't agree with this, um, I do see the importance of having a strong value system because even though that may sometimes lead to poor decisions oftentimes it helps cut through the weeds because of such a strong focused approach consistent focused approach 
That being said, Walton wasn't one to hold all the profits. He actually believed in and acted upon the idea that employees must reap benefits of the growth they bring. He encouraged his managers to invest in the business and gain the returns as a result of it. Another controversial side of Walton was that he believed that if free enterprise runs our society, then businesses that are not customer-centric will not survive. And when he says customer-centric, he means the most cost-competitive. He believed that people vote with their dollars, and of course his shrewd strategies have garnered plenty of criticism. He was repeatedly accused of driving local stores out of business, a sentiment that's still out there today, however, Walmart has bigger problems at hand. Walton saw it differently though. He believed the market decides the nature of business. If a customer chooses Walmart over several local stores, it's because Walmart served them better, and that is always defined by the customer. And if Walmart cannot meet a customer's needs, employees have no problem recommending a competitor's store. This was sort of the ethos that Walmart was built on. From the very beginning, Sam Walton embraced the discounting model because he believed that that's what the market was looking for. Along with this variety store mindset of a wide range of goods and naturally went to global manufacturing units so he could get the cheapest possible deals and pass it on to his customers. At one point, Walton bought this two-seater airplane uh, so as to get from point A to point B fast. Soon enough, he started opening variety stores all over the state. Some of them even Ben Franklin franchises. Sometimes it was in partnership with his brother Bud or his wife Helen or her two brothers. But all of these stores had managers and he made it a point to make them partners, limited partners, by taking a certain amount of investment from them for the beginning and giving them a percentage of equity on their store. And it's such an ingenious way to make sure that your managers are fully invested in the success of the store. ESOPs, that is employee stock option plans, are the norm today, but that certainly wasn't the case back then. And while he was starting variety stores, he also knew that discounting was the way to go. And he looked around, tried to work with existing companies to see if he could start something of a discounting venture with them, but there were no real prospects at the time. So he really only had two options. A, he could stay in the variety store business and be killed by the discounting wave of the future, or open his own discount store. And that's how he started Walmart. In his own words, Walton says, the store was only 12,000 square feet and had an eight foot ceiling and a concrete floor with bare boned wooden plank fixtures. Sterling had a huge variety store in downtown Harrison with tile on the floor, nice lights, really good fixtures and good presentations. Ours was just barely put together with highly promotional, truly ugly, heavy with merchandise, but for 20% less than the competition. I mean, he calls his own store ugly, so it definitely must have been ugly. But it turns out that they did find their tribe. 
they did find that in a town of 6000 people people were willing to come to a store even if it wasn't the best looking just to get the discounted prices so now he tried a bigger store 35000 square foot and it quickly became their number one store in sales and now these stores are getting bigger and further and further away and walton recognizes that as things scale they also need a strong management system he he discusses this concept of absentee ownership where you're putting your stores out there where the management physically isn't present and that means more potential of losses shrinkage things just going haywire and so he knew that he had to find a way to control this he enrolled himself in an ibm course to understand how to best use computers to manage inventory stocks and keep a strong control of all his walmarts from from a central place he also embraced the concept of having a warehouse to streamline distribution so it's pretty evident that as walmart is gaining traction and growing walton also is embracing new technologies and new ways of doing things and there is no doubt that that was one of the reasons why walmart was able to get to where it got to now that all this foundation was in place walmart was in a good state and sam and bud walton decided that it was a good time to go public and so they did in 1970 walmart ipo'd the rest is history everyone who invested back in the day has made a lot of money since the walton family were one of the richest at a given point in time and walton also talks about the downsides of being america's richest because that comes with a lot of unwanted attention and unwanted because when you look at accounts of walton and read the book you really see that the walton family uh, sam his wife the kids they sort of grow up in the traditional good old american ways walton loved hunting he loved going fishing he drove a pickup truck and that little plane that got him from walmart to walmart but it's quite clear that the family isn't in it just for the money i mean the money's great but they enjoy their low key life they cherish their values and having all this attention and expectations of now that you're a billionaire you should own lamborghinis and so on i'm not even sure if there were lamborghinis back then but the point is it becomes very clear that they do face challenges as a family to come to terms with this new reality of money and this elevation in status that they did not have before so now post ipo walmart is in this great expansion mode and the strategy they take is sort of saturate the market by spreading out first and then filling in walton used his planes to fly over areas and then say that hey maybe that's a good place to open up a walmart and then fly to another place and then scout real estate this way to be honest i kind of envy that experience i cannot imagine how thrilling it must be to be high up in the sky at 10000 feet and and truly get that bird's eye view while you're making your real estate decisions and up until they got to their 400th 
or so store. Walton was involved in every single signing to make sure that the deal was thoroughly vetted uh, for prime real estate and, of course, the contract itself. While some might think of him as a micromanager, I really think that he was get-your-hands-dirty kind of an entrepreneur. He was always on the ground talking to customers, talking to his employees, and it sounds like even until the very end, he was extremely curious about what was happening and what could Walmart do differently. I love that. I truly love that about Sam Walton because that is the entrepreneurial spirit that is unfazed by the wealth and the status and having 10,000 people work under you and you're still going at it. One thing that Walton talks about as being the single most important factor for Walmart success is the relationship they had with the associates and the associates are basically the employees that run Walmart and he talks also about how in the early days they didn't pay the employees very much and you know it sort of sounds like he recognizes that Walmart wasn't paying well but he also sort of provides this justification as to why while recognizing that the justification isn't good enough but I appreciate that he does have that self-awareness and addresses this head-on instead of talking around it. And I especially love the the reasoning he provided for taking care of your employees. As much as I'd like to say that, oh, taking care of your employees is great because when they're happy, you're happy, yada, yada, yada. CEOs and founders are responsible for the bottom line. So his concept is that when you share profits and when you treat your associates well, they treat your customers well because they're happy and they're hearty and they're not bitter. And eventually that does translate to sales and profits as a result. This is also very similar to my experience from working at Starbucks. Starbucks does have this ethos of treating their employees really well. Uh, making sure that they're paid well, but also just the work culture is about giving them a lot of ownership and encouraging them to be cheery and happy and engage with customers, even though that may not directly look like it impacts the top line, it does. Because when your customers are happy and they feel like they're home, even though it's just a cafe, they come back, they become repeat customers. And retention is business 101. It's always cheaper to retain customers than to acquire new ones. So I do see the value in treating your associates well, not just because it's the right thing to do, but also because it does impact your top line and trickles down to your bottom line. In closing, I just want to say that Walmart's journey is nothing short of inspiring. There are so many values and lessons to be learned here, like frugality, customer obsession, it's endless. I highly recommend reading the book Made in America by Sam Walton. It is full of stories, extremely visual, and uh, so, so inspiring. I really hope you enjoyed listening to Walmart's story just as much as I enjoyed going through it. It's been a pleasure, and I will see you in the next episode.